and welcome to Season 5, Episode 1 of the Quadcast. I'm your host, John McAlevey. Let me first wish you and your families a happy and, more importantly, healthy New Year. Yours truly just celebrated a birthday, yes, January 8th, along with the King, Elvis Aaron Presley. And I swear the older I get, the more I realize that there is nothing in this world like family and old friends. And speaking of old friends, it has been some time since our paths have crossed, and I am happy and proud to bring you another installment of the podcast, which although mostly for and about those of us who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, but is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. Now, you would think by this point, booking guests would be easier. Well, it isn't. In fact, procuring guests has become quite an issue for me. As I am apt to say in this space, since I am a veritable nobody, folks that I reach out for often don't even respond. So word of mouth and recommendations from previous guests have become my best chance of finding great folks with better stories to tell. And today is no exception. As some of you frequent flyers here will remember, Amanda Parizzo joined me for Season 4, Episode 7, and isn't it ironic? Amanda, you will recall, was working as an occupational therapist in Philadelphia and was the victim of random gun violence. In a split second, she was paralyzed from the waist down, and her truly unique perspective on living with an SCI and treating those of us with them is really well worth your time. Thankfully, Amanda reached out for me some time ago with a suggestion. In fact, here is what she emailed me verbatim, quote, Nikki Walsh was my peer mentor when I was in rehab at McGee, and she's such a beast. I think she would be a great guest for your podcast. Well, after months of trying to book Nikki due to the fact that she is so busy, that day has finally arrived. And following this public service announcement from the good folks at Canine Companions for Independence, Nikki Walsh joins me for the first episode of 2024. And that, my friends, is next. This is my new best friend, Esther. She might look like any normal, playful puppy, but Esther's being raised to become a Canine Companions for Independence assistance dog for a person with a disability. To get there, she needs lots of loving care and attention, plenty of exercise, and good eating habits so that she can live a long and healthy life for her future family. And she needs to spend tons of time socializing, learning basic commands like sit and stay, and taken to fun places with lots of distractions so that she can learn to cope in every situation. All of this will prepare Esther for more professional training to become a real assistance dog and a life helping a person with a disability to live more independently. Are you ready to open your heart and home for 18 months to a puppy like Esther? To find out more about becoming a canine companion for Independence Puppy Raiser or about other volunteer opportunities, visit cci.org or call 1-800-572-BARK. Raise a puppy, change a life. You can make a world of difference in the life of a person with a disability. And we are back on the Quadcast Podcast, your weekly 30 to 45 minute session of OT and PT for the soul. And it is now my pleasure to welcome in the aforementioned Nikki Walsh. Nikki, welcome and Happy New Year. Hi, John. Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. First and foremost, do you have any resolutions that you put together? I know that's a big thing for people uh, as they start off a new year. I have a few resolutions, one of which is to improve my time management, um, especially with 
just how busy I have gotten. I definitely need to work on that for sure. Um, and then, and then definitely want to become better with my finances. So I feel pretty great with my fitness, uh, as of now and nutrition that can always, you know, get a little bit better, but, and more refined, but you know, my resolutions this year aren't really focused on the physical aspect and it's more on the mental side and, you know, financial side. Absolutely. Very good. So it sounds like you're off to a good start. Yeah. All right. We are. Great. So what I like to do with my podcasts is to get a full picture of my guest. And I like to do that by starting at the beginning. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and some, some things that you were interested in in your childhood? Sure. So I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And, you know, when I was younger, I played soccer all throughout you know, my younger years, I think I started playing around five or six years old and I played all throughout middle school, high school. Um, and then I stopped for college, but I also danced and I did hip hop dance, jazz. I did not do ballet or tap more, um, contemporary jazz and hip hop. They were, you know, my favorite. And I was always into, you know, movement and hanging out with friends, animals. I love dogs. I have my own dog myself. He's the love of my life. Uh, what's Um, his name? His name is Kato. Uh, he is a uh, pit bull chihuahua mix. Awesome. Actually. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Well, I, I have to him. tell you, I have a service dog. Uh, I got him from Canine Companions for Independence. His name is Yokin. I've had him for what will be two years now um, in February, and it's changed my life. I, I was an asthmatic, mm-hmm. a really bad asthmatic as a kid, so I couldn't have pets or animals. I couldn't be around them. I couldn't sleep at friends' houses who had dogs. And so thankfully, I outgrew it, and I and I really got to work on um, putting together my resume to get him. And it took about five years with COVID in the mix from when I sent the initial email to them to when I brought him home. But it's amazing. And I, I, I understand how you love your dog. It's They, they really mm-hmm. change your life. They really do. And he is what, you know, got me pushing after my accident and he keeps me going every day. Yeah, so. I'm sure he does. So yeah. speaking of your accident, why don't you tell us about the day that changed the trajectory of your life? What do you remember before, during, and in the immediate aftermath of your car accident? Sure. So uh, I was a bartender at Yard House, and it was a Friday night, technically Saturday morning. I was coming home from a bartending shift. It was around two in the morning, two 2.33 in the morning, and I was driving home on the interstate, and a car had, you know, pulled out in front of me. I rear-ended that car. That car, you know, pulled over to the side of the road. This was a three-lane highway, and my car had stalled in the center lane, Ugh. but the highway was, you know, very well lit, and, you know, I put my flashers on. I called 911 and they said, you know, stay where I was. 
not get out of my car and, you know, put my flashers on, which I already had. And the police would be there in about 10 minutes. So I'm was living, I just had moved home at this time to save some money. And I was going to call my parents and let them know, you know, what had happened. And I remember looking in the rearview mirror of my car and just saying, please stop, please stop, please stop. Oh, God. And an SUV was coming full speed. Um, that's all I remember. Mm. Then I remember coming to, I was laying in the back seat of my car. And for some reason, I remember trying to kick the door open and I was screaming, I'm not dying tonight. I'm not dying tonight. Mm. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. And that's the last thing I remember until I woke up in the hospital um, or I think I was awake prior, but my memory, you know, they sure. have you on a lot of medicine and drugs to yes. for your pain and everything like that. So my first memory of coming to is when they were taking the, um, the breathing tube out. Mm. That was absolutely terrible. Mm. I remember being so thirsty and yeah, it, it was um, definitely life-changing. Yeah. I learned that the SUV rear-ended me at full speed uh. into a tractor trailer. The tractor trailer drug my car um, into a median, and I was pinned between the tractor trailer and the median. My so, God. Uh, so you're really lucky yeah. to be here with us, Nikki. I am. I, I thank God every day oh um, that I'm here today because looking at my car, I, if I had not ended up in the back seat, I would have been dead. I mean, the driver's side, um, was completely smashed in. Jeez. And what were you yeah. driving at the time? What kind of car were you in? I was in a, um, BMW convertible, oh, uh, hard grief. top, hard, hard top, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. Jeez, did they I ever? Was just, did they ever find out? Was the SUV driver sleeping? Was he drunk? I mean, what was the story behind that? There, he said that he thought that I was driving with traffic. Oh, there was good no traffic. traffic. I don't think that he was paying attention. Honestly, yeah, he could have been texting or whatnot. But God. they never did a breathalyzer or anything on him. How is that possible? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. So but. so now you wake up and unfortunately a whole new life has begun and we've all been there. Mm -hmm. I, I had to fall down my basement steps and when I wake up, I'm completely paralyzed from head to toe and I hear the first aid squad coming and I'm thinking, oh, good grief, a whole new life is beginning. So what did they tell you initially and how does that register? You know, obviously physically you're, you're banged up and you know that you're not what you were just a few hours mm -hmm. ago, but you know, people don't realize that folks of us that have had these spinal cord injuries, it's the mental aspect is, is oftentimes so much more to handle. So what did they tell you and how did it affect you? So I actually don't remember when I found out that I couldn't walk. My mom had told me, and I guess this again was on a time where I 
was just really on a lot of medicine and I don't remember, but she told me that I couldn't walk and they were surprised because my spinal cord wasn't injured, but I guess because of the compression, maybe the compression on the spinal cord, um, damaged it somehow, but physically there was no damage to it. Um, they thought I was going to come out of surgery and be fine. Um, but I initially, while I was in the hospital, I feel like I was just very hopeful. I mean, my car accident was in August and I said that I would be up and walking in November and back to work. I was very unrealistic. Um, You know, I definitely feel like I was in shock, but when it really hit me, when I got to McGee rehab and I was laying in bed there and they came in and they did the, um, the test on me to see where my level was and if I was complete or incomplete. Oh, I hate and that. Is that with the, yeah. with the Q-tip and the pin? Uh-huh. Uh, yes. We all know that it, one. It's the worst, yeah. isn't it? That was so traumatizing. Yeah. I remember just bawling my eyes out completely and just feeling so lost yeah. and just my whole world turned upside down. Yeah. Um, the hospital not so much. I think, you know, people were coming to visit me. My family was there, friends were there, but when they did that test and it was like, yeah, this is it, Nikki. And I'm, I'm over here like, wow, my life is over. Yep. Here's what you're left with, you know? Yeah. And and now, okay, go about your day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's the hardest part is is finding out, you know, what level and what, what, you know, what it's going to be. Is it complete? Is it incomplete? And that whole Asia mm-hmm. score and all of that stuff. Yes. And, uh, I, I would, yeah, they, I'd like to tell friends, I, I slept through that class in high school about spinal cords and yeah. I really didn't know what the heck they were all about. I had no idea what an mm-hmm. occupational therapist was. And all you hear about is PT and you see on television, either in movies or in shows where somebody is in an accident and they say, oh, are they going to walk again? Are they going to walk again? They never yeah. you know, want to know, are they going to feed themselves and dress themselves mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So you mentioned McGee, tell me a little bit about your rehab and uh, what it was about McGee that really got you up and rolling again. So, yeah, they are wonderful at McGee. They got me up and standing in my first physical therapy session the next morning. They got me dressed and up and in my wheelchair uh, right in the morning at 8 a.m. They do not mess around there. They (laughs) They get you up and going as fast as possible. No pity parties, Um, right? No pity parties. Literally no pity parties. Um, I had an hour and a half of occupational therapy a day, an hour and a half of physical therapy a day. And then they, you know, tried to fill your time slots with art therapy and music therapy. Um, I actually really fell in love with art therapy and cool painting and whatnot. But with physical therapy and occupational therapy, they really helped me learn how to dress myself again, mm-hmm. how to, you know, go to the bathroom, how to transfer all of the things that, again, you said, you don't think about like yeah. dressing. Are you going to dress yourself? Are you, are you going to feed yourself? Like those aren't things that you think about. Right. People just think, Oh, you have a spinal cord injury. You can't walk. Right. There's so much more that goes into it, and it is insane. It is how 
how much. It is. Now, but, what level are you, uh, Nikki? I'm a, I'm really high. I'm a C3-4, so I am... I okay. am a quad. I'm in. I'm what they call a central cord syndrome quad. I I like to tell people I can get up and walk where I want to go, but I just can't do a thing when I get there because I have little to no use of my upper body, arms, hands, and fingers. And so, okay. occupational therapy was really you know my deal. I mean, I had to really learn how to even hold things mm-hmm. and, and try to get a shirt on. I mean, it's not pretty. Yeah. I still do it myself, thank God. But it it takes forever. Um, so your yeah. level, I see you're a T2. Is that what it is? Yeah, I am a T2. I started out uh, Asia A complete. And so I couldn't feel anything from, you know, my nipple line down, okay. feel or move anything. Wow. And so, I mean, I did have control. I was very close to not having some control of my pinky and fingers. Um, I think that's like T1. Yep. Um so I kind of, I missed that mark. So I thankfully <laughs> do have, you know, full control of my hands and arms and above my chest. Sure. But at that time I did not. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn again how to dress myself like you did. And it was a pain. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. Yeah. I remember like I couldn't turn, like I still have trouble turning. I still have a bed rail on the side of my bed that I grab onto to help me yep. turn and whatnot. Yep. Um, I still have to like put my arms up and like throw them to the side to try and give me some momentum to flip on my side. Yeah. Like I can't sit up straight um, uh, from the bed, you yeah. know, it's these little things that people, again, they don't realize how, no idea. You're, how you're impacted. Yeah. yeah. They have no but, idea. But yeah, I mean, now, luckily, and I really attribute this to all of the physical activity that I do and the strength training and making my mind-muscle connection, I have gained um, a ton of muscle control and movement onto my hips. That's terrific. I can get into uh, full leg braces now, um, K, uh, KAFOs, and... I am so, so thankful for that. Absolutely. You know, Nikki, this is an interesting thought. Uh, I did some research on you when you sent some stuff over. I see that you studied kinesiology at Penn State. Do yes. you think that, first of all, what is kinesiology? And did having a background in that help you in any way, shape or form to try and regain, you know, movement and, and this new life that you're living? 1000%. So uh, kinesiology is the study of human movement and the body. So I originally wanted to go to physical therapy school um, or or become a physician assistant, but I became a personal trainer in the interim of applying and fell in love with it. But because I was so aware of my body and how it moved beforehand, that helped me with my core balance, um, my sitting and everything like that. Um, I remember my physical therapist telling me at one of our first sessions, or maybe it was our first session, we were doing sitting balance and she wanted to see how long I could sit um, upright without any help. And she was shocked because of what my paper was saying and what I was showing. And she's like, you are not presenting as a T2. Yep. You are not. <laughs> Isn't that and great? It's, 
We're not what yeah. these doctors necessarily tell us. You know, some of them will walk in the room and say, you're not going to do X, Y, and Z. And we all look at them and say, like fun, we certainly are, or at least we're going to try to. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think just having that body awareness beforehand, training beforehand, knowing how the body works and, you know, again, unknowingly, just subconsciously making that mind muscle connection from the beginning, I I think has, you know, really just catapulted my recovery. Yeah. And so now you're at McGee and you're rehabbing and you, you've gotten to the point now where you're sort of accepted what, what your lot in life is right now. What mm-hmm. is then the idea for Nikki? Did you want to still go down that path of being a trainer? What, what were you thinking? You know, now all of a sudden I'm in a wheelchair. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? How am I going to focus? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I was at inpatient rehab for about two months or so. And then I transitioned to outpatient rehab. I would say that first year and a half or maybe even, no, yeah, probably year and a half. I was solely focused on walking and that was like my main focus. That's all I cared about. That's all I wanted to do. But at some point I don't remember or I do remember now that I said, I don't remember my sister and I, we were, we went to a, the gym on a family vacation. And I remember being in the gym and I felt just so out of place. Mm. I felt like everyone was staring at me. Right. I couldn't move in between a lot of the machines. I mean, hotel gyms are small. So, you know, feeling that, feeling that down in a place that I used to literally live in made me realize, okay, I need to get back to my life. I need to start training my body for how it is right now to live the most independent that I can live so that when the time comes where I can take steps and I can walk, that my body is ready for it. Yeah. And so I got back into the gym with my friend who's also a personal trainer she helped me get more comfortable. And then I was like, why can't you be a personal trainer again, Nikki? You were one for four years before that, four and a half years before this. Why can't you do that now? You still have your brain. You still have your upper body. Yep. Yes, you'll have to modify exercises, but you can speak. You can talk people through exercises. So, you know, I just went for it and I had a couple of my uh, clients that I previously trained who wanted to train. I told them that I could train them through Zoom Um, and then, you know, COVID hit and then everything went online. Of course. So that kind of just really catapulted that portion as well. Yeah. And all Um, of a sudden you had a whole new... Uh, community that you could train. Mm -hmm. I mean, think of all the folks that were in wheelchairs. It was like, wow. You know what's tough, Nikki, and and I go through it myself, is that um, I think I'm a little bit older than you. I I grew up and and the big thing was to go to the gym when you were a kid, go to Jack LaLanne. They used to have Jack LaLanne's. I don't think they exist anymore, but like Mm -hmm. Planet Fitness and things like that, I think are around now. 
And, you know, for, for folks like you and I, we can't just like, you know, drive to the gym and get out and go and jump on all these machines because we, we need, you know, people to help us to get on them. Like I need people to help me get on Mm -hmm. a treadmill and strap me in and Mm -hmm. things like that. So we don't really have an outlet unless you're doing like heavy duty PT. Like I'm doing some physical therapy now and I'm going to get discharged from that probably in a couple of weeks. And then where do I go then? You know, it's not like I can go to something like that. It would be great if there were, you know, uh, somewhere for folks who have had injuries to go where there's people there that understand how to uh, work with mm-hmm. them. And there's just not an outlet for us, I guess. And so um, that it's nice that you're filling that void for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I just uh, launched a wheelchair fitness app with my partner, Jesse Strawham. It's the Wheels Me Adapt Fit app and it has, it's fitness for wheelchair users made by wheelchair users. There's home workouts. I'm adding gym workouts in there, but we wanted to create that outlet for the wheelchair user community because like you said, it is hard for so many of us to just go to the gym and adapt and not everyone can transfer on and off machines or adjust cable machines by themselves. Yeah. But you can do all of these workouts in your home with a caregiver around if you need that. Or if you can't drive or you don't have the transportation to get to the gym, you can do all of these workouts in your house and get independent. Yeah. Become more independent. Sure. So, you know, I'm happy to not... I mean, happy is, I'm overjoyed to really help our community in that way. Absolutely. And and you've become a role model, I know, for a lot of people. And one of those is our friend, Amanda Parazel. I know she's a yes. friend of yours. And that's exact. that's how actually I found out about you. She sent me an email. I just want to read you what she said. She said, John, Nikki Walsh was my peer mentor when I was at McGee. And she is such a beast in all capital letters. And she says, I think she'd be a great guest for your podcast. So as someone who is a mentor for women with disabilities, what is one thing that you like to preach to them initially and and how important and how fulfilling is it for you to help them? I, you know, I, I definitely want to feel a vibe as to where they're at in their acceptance of their disability first. Um, But, you know, once I create that relationship with them, I tell them, listen, your life isn't over. There's still so much life to be living. We just need to shift what we're doing. It's going to look different, but we can still get out and live our life and be as independent as we can be. You just have to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, it's looking back at myself when I was first injured and what I needed to hear. And I want to help Nikki who was first injured. Yeah. So, you know, that is one of the biggest reasons that I love helping other women who need, you know, that 
that person to look up to who don't see a light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. and think that their life is over Mm -hmm. because it's not. No. And it takes some time for, for folks to come around. Some might be Mm -hmm. ready right off the bat and others are not. I, I don't know if you know, but I work as the peer mentoring coordinator at Kessler Institute for rehabilitation up here in New Jersey. And Mm -hmm. when I bring in folks who are going to join the uh, mentoring community, the first thing I tell them is um, you have to just be a good listener. You know, you have to go mm-hmm. in and, like you said, get a feel for how they are and where, where they are in their acceptance. And, you know, for mm-hmm. the maybe the first five or 10 minutes, just let them talk, let them get whatever mm-hmm. is on their chest and, and, and get that off. And then you can, you know, interject a little bit about like, oh, when I was here, I, you know, took solace in this or I did that or mm-hmm. um, because it can be one thing to talk to your doctors and your therapists and your family members and able-bodied folks. But, you know, we're walking the walk. And sometimes you need to bounce mm-hmm. some ideas off of, of some folks who are literally and figuratively in our same shoes or in our same wheels. And, um, exactly. yeah, so it's, it's really a huge thing. And if you could tell us a little bit about Amanda and how you guys got together. So yeah, Amanda and I just clicked right off the bat. I mean, she definitely had a lot of questions and I think seeing me come in dressed nicely with my hair done and my makeup (laughs) done. And I think that really helped her see that just because I'm a wheelchair user doesn't mean that I can't still be me. Yes, And, you know, we both connected on, you know, fitness and being active. And we did a couple yoga sessions together while she was in rehab um, at McGee inpatient and yeah she's just a wonderful wonderful human yeah Um, and how about when i um spoke with her i i labeled her uh episode and isn't it ironic i mean here she is a working occupational therapist and now she's a client so how about that for perspective i mean a total 180 for her and now she's teaching which is unbelievable for those students that are in her class what 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 experience they're getting from someone who's been trained before as an able-bodied person and now as a disabled-bodied person. So Exactly. Yeah, she's a rock star in her own right. So that's um, she is. That's great that you guys were able to get together. Now, I see that you've been featured in Women's Health Magazine, WebMD, um, and What Matters in the Past. So those are large platforms which can reach many folks. What is your main objective when you have these great opportunities? My main objective is to show the disability community that we can get stronger and we can work out even though we are wheelchair users. We, just because we're sitting down does not mean that we cannot get stronger in our upper body. There's still so much of us that works and we can be as independent as possible, as long as you put in the work and it doesn't matter, you know, whether you are a quad or a para high level, low level, like I can help you find something that's going to work for you. Sure. Um, so, you know, my, that's my biggest reason as getting that out there and then also just making people more aware of adaptive fitness and Mm -hmm. that 
it's out there for them. Yes. And you know, another big thing for those of us in our community is nutrition. Um, mm-hmm. I know folks that have endured SCIs don't necessarily have the ability to exercise as they once did. It's what you and I are talking mm-hmm. about. So mm-hmm. um, what becomes, it's a very par- very tough part of their, of their new lifestyle. What are some tips mm-hmm. that you could provide the audience here for like eating healthy and recharging their batteries? First and foremost, we really need to just focus on protein as a whole. It is so important in maintaining and repairing our muscle tissue. And as wheelchair users, our muscles atrophy at a much much faster rate because of, you know, we're sitting down all the time. We're not using our muscles as we once did. So getting in enough protein is going to help to maintain the muscle on your body as much as possible. And also it's going to keep you fuller longer compared to eating carbs and fats. So it's going to help you stay full and not want to go grab you know, those cookies, those cakes, um, Mm. those sweet treats, protein really helps with those cravings. Um, but also a huge focus on gut health, getting in enough foods that have high fiber, you know, women should be getting in around 28 grams and men should be getting in 35 grams. This is so important for us individuals with spinal cord injury because of our neurogenic bowels. Yes. And you know, either being constipated or really loose and having accidents where I was at. Fiber really helps to not just bulk up your stool, but help your stool move through. Um, Yep. You have to find that happy medium, right? Exactly. And then, you know, making sure we're eating a lot of foods that are fermented because they provide our gut with more good bacteria. Mm -hmm. And we our guts lose, you know, I learned from uh, my paralysis nutritionist that our guts lose 50% of the good bacteria just initially um, after our spinal cord injury. So really making sure that we are putting foods into our body that are going to replenish that our microbiome is so important for our gut health and staying on track with that. So those are my two huge focuses with just nutrition um, on the food front. But then also as much as everyone is going to not like this, we need to stop being dehydrated as a community Yes, that causes urinary tract infections. Dehydration is is a big cause for UTIs, which a lot of us with spinal cord injuries get. We sure do. Um, water is also going to help keep you full. It's going to give you energy. It's going to provide your muscles with more relief when it comes to nerve pain and muscle spasticity. When I'm drinking more water, I can feel my body less spastic and my nerve pain is down too. Absolutely. So, you know. Those are my like big three um, for the nutrition front. Very good. Now, as a content creator, you have a huge footprint across the social media platforms. How do you choose your topics? And is there anything for you that's off limits? I would say there's not really that's anything off limits. I mean, if anyone comes to me with a question, I am really more than open to talk about it because again, I'm thinking about Nikki when she was first injured. What, what does she need to know? What did she need to know? And what did she want to know? Um, but 
you know, I, since I am in the adaptive fitness space, I'm more so focusing on how can I help our community get stronger through fitness? And then also what are some easy nutritious meals that I can provide and tips on that. Mm -hmm. But then in the wheelchair aspect, wheelchair life aspect, I like to provide information on transferring and, you know, getting dressed and really anything that's going to make your life as a wheelchair user easier. Yes. Now I know you have to run Nikki Walsh and I thank you so much for joining me. I just have a couple of quick questions left. First of all, looking back on your automobile accident and everything that's happened, what would you say that you are most proud of at this point? I am most proud of uh, the self-confidence that I have gained and putting myself back out there to become a personal trainer again and help change the adaptive fitness space. Yep. It's not easy to put yourself back out there, is it? No, it's very hard. The internet is not nice. (laughs) (laughs) No, it certainly is not. And I tell you, People, again, we've talked about it and we've said it before, people have no idea what it's like to to have to put yourself back out there in a, in a whole new different realm and in a whole new way. Um, yeah. And then how about this one? What is next, Nikki? What do you have that's next? I know, as I mentioned, you have a huge social media platform and you just said you launched that new app. Is there anything else you have cooking? Right now, I really want to grow this fitness app and make it the best that it can be for our community with different challenges coming up and whatnot. But you never know what's (laughs) next. I mean, we, I'm not limiting myself to what's out there, you know? Yep. No, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. And that brings me to my mm-hmm. final question, which I ask all of my friends, and I'll give you a little background on this one. I was waiting in the hallway to see my doctor um, at Kessler, and I was with, this is sort of a weird story, with a, one of my good buddies who was a, a year or two older than me in high school, and he unfortunately had a really bad spinal cord injury. So we were both waiting in the hallway, and I said to him, I said, hey, Tommy, if I could snap my fingers right now and you would be completely able-bodied once again, what's the first thing that you would do? And I could mm-hmm. see him look at me and the smoke started to pour out of his ears as he was thinking. Uh-huh. And then from behind me, I heard a woman say, I would go out and garden. And then a guy in front of me said, I would go work in my garage on my car. And I thought, oh, I must have been talking really loud. But it was uh-huh. an interesting question. And so I will pose that to you. And and uh, I've had, of all my guests, it's a pretty much different answers for everyone. So if I could ask you right now, if I could snap my fingers and you would be completely able-bodied again, what's the first thing you would do? I would probably be jumping up and down, (laughs) doing some uh, squats (laughs) and going and taking Kato on a run. Oh, it's great. That's terrific. Yeah. It's the first thing that comes to your mind. It's amazing. I've had some people tell me that they would hug their wife or their children. I've had other folks say, I would stand in front of the toilet and pee and get everything out at once, (laughs) you know, just stuff that only we as a community can understand. And so uh, that's a great one. Yeah. To take Cato for a walk. I would love to do the same thing with my buddy here. I use a rollator right now. So 
I would like to throw that thing off to the side and just walk with my buddy here and yeah. be out in the breeze. But, um, yeah. well, listen, Nikki, I, again, I know we've gone back and forth on trying to put this together because you're so busy. And I want to thank you not only for joining me today on the quadcast, but also for all that you're doing on behalf of the SCI community. It is, um, it's terrific and it's inspiring and I hope to see it continue. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate you having me on here. It was a pleasure talking with you and I'm looking forward to what's next to come as well. And to find out what's next, make sure to check out Nikki's Instagram page, which is at sign Nikki Walsh dot adapt fit. That's at sign N I K K I Walsh dot adapt fit. It is one stop shopping for all of the many things she's involved with. Thank you again for joining me, Nikki. It was a pleasure meeting and speaking with you. If anyone out there has a suggestion for a future guest, please reach out for me. I would be more than happy to highlight another inspirational SCI survivor and thriver. Special thanks, as always, to my Mixmaster General, Chris Parapesco, at Harbor Picture Company in New York City. I appreciate your making this show sound so professional, Chris, and I look forward to another year with you at the helm. Until next time, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't care about no wheelchair. I got so much left to do.